Let's stand together. Let's open our Bibles to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 16. We're talking tonight a little bit about how to pray throughout your day. And uh, this isn't a hard, fast rule, but here here is the truth that overlays all of what we're going to say today. You should be praying throughout the day. Prayer shouldn't just be something that happens in a prayer closet. You can talk to God all the time. And your life and your relationship with him is going to get richer when you start moving from talking to yourself to talking to God more. Listen to what it says in Ephesians 6.16. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. Praying for all the saints. As people come to mind, pray for them. As you think about the church, breathe up a prayer for it. Not just saying something, but throughout your day, praying. If we spend as much time, here's something God convicts me. Have you ever in your mind had a fight with somebody? You know, and you're, they're going to say this and I'm going to say that. And, you, and then, then you get there with them and it doesn't even happen. And you've had this big fight for the last hour or two days getting ready to meet them. And you get there and it doesn't go the way you thought it was going. So you've had two days of turmoil and fight. For what? Didn't have the pleasure of the fight. If we spend as much time praying instead of thinking what we're going to say next, we'd have a lot more peace. Amen? Father, anoint this word to us tonight. Give us your blessing. Let us learn and grow tonight in your name. We pray. Amen. What we're talking about tonight is, is this aspect of learning to think like a Christian. Learning to think like somebody who is in the kingdom of God. And remember, when we talk about the kingdom of God, we're talking about the rules of God's kingdom. It's, the illustration I always like to use to help us capture it is this illustration. If you work for one company... And they have a set of rules about how time off works, how health insurance works, how pay works, how you fill out paperwork, how all that goes to work. And they give you their handbook and say, this is how our company works. And you leave that company or that place of work and you go to another place of work and they hand you a handbook and they say, this is how it works for us. Those handbooks may not be anything alike. You can't take the rules of that handbook and try to enforce it in this company. They're going to look at it and say, that's not how we work. This is what Jesus is talking about when he talks about the kingdom of God coming into our hearts. He said, listen, you've had an old handbook of how life worked. Here's a new handbook that's going to get planted in your heart. And, and I want to tell you that, that part of this handbook is that we learn to be a people who pray and pray continually. Pray continually. 
When Paul says it's obvious, he prayed all the time. Every book he wrote, with, 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 he starts with prayer. He writes most of the New Testament. He says, I'm always praying. I'm continually praying. I'm constantly praying. I'm praying without ceasing. I never stop praying. Paul was always praying. So how do we do that? How do you pray without ceasing? How do you continually pray without stopping? So in Ephesians, there, there's kind of an outline that we can look here in verse 18. Uh, it says, praying at all times, in the Spirit at all times, with all kinds of prayers, asking for everything you need to do this. You must always be ready and never give, give up, and always pray for all God's people. So let's, let's capture these, these instructions real quick here in Ephesians chapter 6. He says, first of all, I want you to pray in the Spirit. Being open to the Spirit, praying for the, the truth of God's Spirit. So he starts with praying the Spirit. What does that mean? It just means to let God lead you and listen to you. God, how would you, what would you do? What is your will in this? Uh, help me to pray the, the right way. Two, he says, pray right now. Don't wait. If all of a sudden somebody comes to mind, an image comes to mind, a concern comes to mind, pray about it. You're on your way to class and you've got a test. Pray about it. You're getting ready to go out on a date with somebody. Pray about it. You're getting ready to go see your in-laws. Pray about it. You know, pray about it. Just, just to get this idea to pray about things and to ask God to help you in them. You're going into a tough meeting, pray about it. Just in your heart. Look, God, I'm getting ready to go in this meeting. I'm going to meet with, these, with my boss and a couple of other people. We've got to come up with a plan. Give me wisdom. Pray about it. So when you think about something, you don't have to put it off. When the Holy Spirit puts an idea in your mind, stop and pray about it. Don't say, I'm going to pray later. Do it right then. If somebody comes up and you're having lunch with somebody, you know, one of the things I like to do at lunch is at the end of it, I like to say to the people, what can I pray with you about? And I'm not going to wait and pray tomorrow. I'm not even going to wait and pray until we get out. I'm going to sit right there in the restaurant and pray with them. That's a great time to pray. And I just want to encourage you to be ready to pray right then. Follow the Spirit's leading. It's always good to listen to what God is saying to you. And he says, pray in the Spirit. And he says, pray at all times. Listen, there's no bad time to pray. There's never an inappropriate time for you to lift your heart up to God and say, God, right here while I'm sitting in this meeting, while everybody else is fighting and arguing, give me wisdom to how to bring peace and how to bring direction. He says in this, in this scripture, pray all kinds of prayers. Uh, pray all kinds of prayers. You know, there's different kinds of prayers. There are many, many different kinds of prayers. There's not just one right way to pray. There's lots of kinds of prayers depending on your emotion and depending on the circumstances. And so if you want a good example of that, read through the Psalms. They pray all sorts of stuff. Some shocking stuff sometimes. Some really shocking stuff. But that teaches us how to pray in the Spirit about the spiritual enemy that attacks us. And the spiritual things. The book of Psalms, there is a prayer for every emotion known to man. There are complaining prayers. 
There are crying out prayers. There are comforting prayers. There are clarifying prayers. There are courageous prayers. There's confessing prayers. There's celebrating prayers when you're, when you're happy. It, it, it's the book of prayers and songs. So there's this prayer for every emotion. Now listen, for thousands of years, people have prayed the Psalms. So if you want to learn how to pray, read the Psalms and say, Lord, help me understand how to make this a part of my prayer life and to pray the way you would have me to pray. He says, pray in the Spirit, pray at all times, pray all kinds of prayers. And here, listen, asking for everything you need. What does that mean? There are no subjects off limits. There's nothing you cannot pray about. If you're interested, God's interested in it. If you worry about it, pray about it. If you prayed as much as you're worried, you'd have a lot less worry. Listen, worry never changes anything, but prayer can change things. So we pray about it. When you start to worry, just stop and say, well, if I'm worrying about it, I might as well pray about it. He says, you can pray about everything. Nothing's off limits, so I can pray about this. You can pray about physical issues. You can pray about mental issues. You can pray about financial issues. That's why I asked you today to pray about financial issues. You can pray about sexual issues. You can pray about relational issues, career issues, political issues. There's nothing off limits. He says, pray all the time. Pray in all the different ways. Pray whenever you are. Pray where, whatever you're interested in. Pray about everything. There's times when I'm watching TV and some politician says something and I'm getting mad. And I start to get, and you know what? Yelling at that TV doesn't change anything. Praying does. Praying does. Listen, if every American, just hear me, if every American Christian just did these three things. If every American Christian tithed, if every American Christian witnessed, if every American Christian prayed, we would turn our nation upside down. If we'd do those things. If we obey God and trusted God. So, he goes on to say, always be ready. He says, if you're going to pray all the time uh, to do this, you, you have to always be ready. What does that mean? It means you, you've got to have a plan. And that's what we're going to talk about a little bit today, about how you can plan some prayers. Spontaneous prayers are great. They're good. Spontaneous prayers are, are what you need in the moment. But the Bible also says you need to plan your prayer life. You need to think it out. You need to be strategic. You need to set times in your day uh, when you're going to pray. And I'm going to give you some. These are not hard, fast, biblical rules that you have to follow, but just some ideas to give you an idea of how you can begin to bring strategic prayer into your life. And I would tell you, you need to begin to set, a, set aside some time every day to get along with God and to pray about the things that are important to you. Now, if you've never done that, that may be 10 minutes as you start, and that may be hard for you. But if you do this for a while, you'll begin to enjoy the presence of God. You'll begin to enjoy being with Him. You'll begin to enjoy the wisdom He gives to you. I'm going to tell you, one of the things you've got to learn to do is you've got to learn to listen. Last night, I went down to my prayer time, 
And uh, I had some things, I was gonna, but I just felt like the Lord just said, just listen. And I, I just kind of walked around the basement, and God just began to give me insight into some things. Give me some direction that I've been looking. So sometimes you just got to listen. And God reveals things. So you need to set those times aside and plan them that you're going to spend some time alone with God. And finally, he says, and always pray for all of God's people, which means we're supposed to pray for everybody. Look around this room. You're supposed to be praying for everybody. All the people in your small group. All the people in the ministry that you're in. You say, oh, I, I can't do that in only two minutes a day. That's probably right. It'll, this will probably, if you start praying, if you start, you know what, I'm going to list all the people in my prayer group, and I'm going to pray for them every day. I'm going to write down the things they ask in, in our C2 group. I'm going to ask, write the things down that, they, that they've asked for me to pray about, and I'm going to pray. Your prayer life's going to grow, and you're going to be effective in life. If you signed up to get our prayer sheet that we send out once a week, uh, if you just pray through that a couple of times a week, you're going to pray for more than two or three minutes a day, asking God to move in those things. So, but I've, I've, I, wanna, I also want to not just pray once a day. I want to pray throughout the day. So, so how, how do I pray throughout the day? Well, there's, there's a couple of different ways. I, I want you to think about this two different ways. One is this. Just keep a running conversation with God. Do you know he's with you all the time? He's with you all the time. He's with you in the car. He's with you at home. He's with you all the time. If you're feeling lonely, you can say, God, I'm feeling lonely today. I just need your assurance. If you're feeling worried, God, I'm feeling worried about what's coming up. Everybody around me is singing gloom and doom. But God, I know your promises. Will you help me not walk in gloom and doom? Help me walk in faith. God, the doctor just gave me a report I didn't like. God, let me hear your report for my life. Let me have faith in you. Help me know what to do. Just learn to, to carry this ongoing, as things come to your mind. The enemy will send things into your mind to worry you. God will let things come into your mind to inspire you to pray. And when you pray, the worry changes to faith. You just keep this running conversation with God. You don't need to end. Right now, you probably have to think to pray, but you can actually develop a habit like, like, like many of us have done where, where I don't even think about it sometimes. I just, I just begin to find myself talking to God instead of myself. And there's times I find myself talking to myself and I say, stop it. You can't fix anything. What does God want you to do? A lot of times when we're talking to ourselves, we should be talking to God. Now, to pray continuous conversationally, the Bible says to us in Ephesians 6, pray on every occasion as the Spirit leads. On every occasion, as I said, you can talk to God anywhere, anytime, about anything, all the time as the Spirit leads. God, I'm in this meeting. I'm uncomfortable. I don't feel at ease in this meeting. I don't feel at ease with these people. Help me to calm down. Help me to be comfortable. Help me to represent you well. Help me to give the right. Let me do what I'm supposed to do here. Give me strength. So in 1 Thessalonians 5, 17, it says, Never stop praying. In other words, pray all the time. Uh, now, one of the other ways you can keep a, a conversation going is this. Schedule prayer times throughout your day. 
Just, just, just set some. Now I'm going to show you a very simple way to schedule some prayer times. This is not a new idea. Uh, people have had scheduled prayer times uh, forever. And the, the Jews in the Old Testament scheduled their prayer times. They had set times. There were fixed hours. The Bible tells us that Daniel, remember that story? Uh, that, that we studied, he kneeled in prayer three times. He had three times a day that he went and prayed. Now the Bible doesn't give us, uh, you know, some formula and say, okay, every day, three times a day, you've got to pray. We can kind of work that out on our, on our own. So he kneeled three times a day. Now, this is something that happened during the Roman Empire. When the Romans took over the world, at that time, one of the things that they did is they would build a forum in every major city. And in that forum, they would put, they put up a bell tower. And the Roman, Roman's bell would ring about six or seven times a day. It would ring first at about 6, 6.30 in the morning, that was called prime or the first hour. What it meant was everybody get up and get to work. It was an alarm clock for the city. Work has now started in the city, and you need to get up and go, get going. At about 9 a.m., the bell would ring again. That was about three hours later. It was called the third hour. So when you read the Bible, it talks about when Jesus hung on the cross from the sixth hour on. It talks about the ninth hour and the third hour. You'll find that all throughout the Bible. What, what they're using is they're using Roman terms to tell us what time of day it was. Everybody would have understood that, that read these books of what time of day it was. Prime hour six, nine o'clock was the third hour, 12 noon was the sixth hour of the day. That was lunch break. And here's the cool thing in the Roman Empire, the lunch break lasted till 3 o'clock. I wouldn't try that with your boss tomorrow, but it was a lunch break. Uh, the, the other point was you didn't get to go home until about 6.30 that night. At noon, the bell would ring again, then it would ring again at 3 in the afternoon, back to work, and then it would ring again about 6 or 6.30 in the evening, which meant work is over, go home. Everybody would hear these bells, and the Romans had these going on for hundreds of years. So here's what happened. The Jews and the Christians started using the Roman bells for times of prayer. They developed a habit of praying every time those bells rang. And that's what you know, the Roman Catholic Church will call the liturgy of, of the hours. There's a liturgy even still that, 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 that they use in Roman terms, about, about the third hour and the sixth hour and the ninth hour, and vespers and prime and the different kinds of words that are used throughout the prayers throughout the day. Now what's interesting is that over time, the monks who were in monasteries, what did they start doing? They started putting their own bells in the monasteries. That's why they have bell, bell towers. It wasn't just for pretty music. The, the bells would ring because it meant it's time to pray again. After about three hours, another three hours, another three, time to pray again. In fact, 
in the 1400s, the, the monks started thinking, you know, you know what? This is, a, this, is, this is a bad deal where we'll always have to have our guy right there ready to ring the bell. So they started creating mechanical instruments that would ring the bells on schedule. The Latin word for bell is clock. Have you ever heard of that? You didn't know this. Clocks were invented to make time for prayer. It's the whole reason we have clocks. The clock was not invented to make life speedier, to make it more organized for us. We've just secularized it. Now we have watches with all kinds of timepieces, but the clock was invented for prayer and worship so that everybody would know it's time to pray. It's time to pray. It's time to pray. The word clock, as I said, was from the Latin word clock. Clock is the word for bell. So now, begin to think about that and begin to see that this idea of having scheduled times of prayer is nothing new to us. In the Psalms, David writes that seven times a day, I praise you. Over the centuries, these daily times of prayers throughout the day began to be known, as I've said, uh, with the liturgy of hours, our divine office, and it got very, very complicated, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't recommend that to you. In fact, you can read thousands of pages on the liturgy of hours, and I, I would just say, you know, we can keep this simple. Now, the Lord's Prayer is not uh, necessarily set up to fill that time. But you can use it this way. The Lord's Prayer was never meant to be something that we prayed by rote. The Lord's Prayer is a model for prayer. In fact, when Jesus gave the Lord's Prayer, he should pray, he, he said, you should pray like this. Notice, he didn't say, you should pray this. He said you should pray like this. Nowhere in the Bible are we commanded to recite the Lord's Prayer. In fact, God says multiple times in Scripture that we're not to just say something over and over and over again in vain, because it becomes vain repetition. You don't even think about it. You can just kind of take a, a rope prayer and kind of work your way through it until you've said it so many times. And it doesn't really mean anything. You don't even think about it. But we, are tip, but we typically take a model and, and make it, you know, sometimes into a recipe when we shouldn't. God in the Bible never says the Lord's Prayer is something that we should pray over and over. He never says it. He says it's a model. This is a pattern. This is how you should pray. Now, not what you should pray. So, if you want to take a typical day, I want to show you how you could use this if you wanted to. Now, this isn't, this isn't locked in. This isn't biblical mandate. But, but this is kind of, uh, of how I would say that, that you could kind of begin to, to think about this. So if you want to do this, and this, is, this, is, this first part's good, just good advice. The first thing we get up in the morning, get up with gratitude. When you get out of bed in the morning, before breakfast or anything else, you should get started, you should get up starting to be grateful to God and telling God all the things you're grateful for. 
Now, you've got a choice on what attitude you're going to have when you get up. Like I said, you, you can wake up grumpy in the morning. Uh, and somebody might say, no, I let her sleep in. Uh, or you can get up grumbling. You can get up with griping. You can get up in the morning groaning. You can get up grumbling. You can get up growling. You can get up grunting. Or you can choose to get up with gratitude that God's given you another day. It's your choice. What kind of an attitude are you going to start off with? And I would tell you the best way to start today is to praise the Lord. You start your day focusing on the goodness of God. That's the first you know, phase of the Lord's prayer is to give thanks to God. Uh, before you, if, if you want to set this up in your life, and again, this is no biblical scriptural formula, but here's, here's how you could use the Lord's Prayer if you wanted to. Before you leave the home, before you go to, out to the car, as you're going out to the car, bless God's name before you leave the house. What does it mean to bless? It means to honor. It means to give respect. It gives, it's to give praise. Uh, the theological word is adoration. We adore God. We bless him. We speak praises to him. We praise his name. This is the second phrase of the Lord's Prayer. Our Father in heaven, you're a good God. Thank you for what you've done. You're a good Father. The second thing says, hallowed be thy name. That means holy. means separate. And it's a call for us to give respect and honor to the name of God. And I would tell you, if you start doing that in, in the day as you go, go about, you're going to have a, a better grip on your day. Why? What's the big deal? Because as you begin to think about the name of God and you think about the greatness of God, it's going to put all of your life in perspective. Now, one of the things that happened in the Bible is that your name was more than just something cute that sounded, sounded nice. Today we pick names because we like the way they sound. So maybe all your kids have the same letter or something like that. I was in uh, Florida a number of years ago with Renee, and this girl was waiting on us. We were in this restaurant, and the girl came up, and she said, she's going to wait on us. And we talked to her a little bit, and I, I said to her, I said, so how long have you worked here anyway? She said, about three years. I said, really? Uh, she said, yeah, why? I said, well, you're still a trainee. She said, my name is Trené. I said, well, okay, there you go. <laughs> true story, true story. Looked at my food very carefully when it came that day. <laughs> In the Bible, the name was given because they thought that's what your character was. That they had some, it could be good or bad. For instance, Jacob means swindler. Remember, he grabbed the heel of his brother as he came in. It meant swindler. Jabez meant painful. Evidently, evidently, his mom bore him in a lot of pain. She had a difficult labor. And your name often got attached to you, and then you started living up to your name. 
We all, we're to hallow God's name. On a side note, I would tell you, be careful what names you tag on your children. If you tag on your children, ah, oh, they're just not real smart. Guess what? They're not going to work real hard. They're not going to be real smart. Tag on them godly names. Help them. Help them. Now, with God, we're to hallow his name. The Bible uh, it talks about, God, about 100 names in Hebrew and Greek. Why does anybody need, need 100 names? Because each name is actually a title that represents a character quality of God. For instance, we talked last week about God saying, I am Abba. We talked about that. It means I'm your loving father. I'm your daddy. I'm your papa. And we, we challenged you last week to pray every day and to use your prayer starting with father because it's going to change the way you look at God and the way you see him and what kind of faith you have when you come before him. One of the names of God means I'm the God who knows you. I know everything. And when you begin to pray, God, I recognize that you know everything about me. That's your name. You know me. I'm not lost in your sight. I'm not one of a crowd. I, am, I have an individual. You can spotlight me and call me by name. You know everything about me. You know everything I'm going through. You, you care about my needs. When you start thanking God for that, it gives you faith in those moments. That's a good thing. God, I, I don't... I don't I don't have to know everything if you know everything. I can rest in you. You know me and you know what's best for me. So we sit and we say, God, I put my faith in you. My name is Jehovah Rapha, which means I'm the God who heals. And we're going through illness. God, I know you're the God who heals us. You make our bodies work. When we pray over our food, God, bless this food to our bodies. Let it be good for us. Let us be smart enough to eat the right things. That's my problem. Let us be smart enough to eat the right things. Jehovah Rapha. That's a good one because we all need healing. Mental, emotional, spiritual, financial. And God's the one who heals. El Shaddai means I'm the almighty God, which means I've got all the power you need. You don't have to have all the power because I, he says I do. And I'm helping you. I'm supporting you. God's got everything you need for your life. And he's our father, and we can come to El Shaddai, the almighty God. Jehovah Jireh, which says, I'm your provider. When I put my tithe in, used to put it in the offering, now as it comes out of my check, I, and I look at it, I always think, God, you are my provider. My job's not my provider. This world's not my provider. This economy's not my provider. You're my provider. You take care of me. And, I, Father, I recognize that by my worship and being obedient and bringing my tithe so others can be blessed. And you're going to use what I give to be a provider for them, and you're going to provide for me. Jehovah Shalom, I'm your peace. Jehovah Sidkenu, I'm your righteousness. You don't have to earn your way to heaven. He says he'll be your righteousness. I'm trying to be righteous enough. You'll never be righteous enough. He's your righteousness. We rest in his righteousness. We rest in it. 
The Bible says that you are to bless and honor the names of God. Now, here's the point. Listen really closely. All prayer is based on how much you know God. The more you know God, the less you're going to worry. The more you know God, the more you're going to relax. The more you know God, the more confident you're going to be. The more you know God, the more you're going to know, uh, you're going to know yourself. The people who have problems with, with their identity, they need to know God. Say, I don't know who I am. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I don't know what my life's supposed to be about. They don't know God very well because God reveals all that to us. He shows us those things. He fills us with gifts and purpose. The better you get to know your Creator, the better you're going to know yourself. When we talk about knowing the names of God, it just means that you really know what, who God really is. Do you know what He means when He says, I am this and I am that and I'm the Alpha and Omega. What in the world does that mean? It means that he can be the, the one that we put our full trust in. And when you pray that, as you start off your day, before you go out of your house, and you stop and say, God, I'm going to take just a minute and thank you for who you are. Now, you, you don't have to do it this way, but you need to be praying these prayers. As you start your day, as you get going in your day, good thing to pray on the way to work or in the middle of the day. Lord, let your kingdom come, let your will be done. Remember what matters most. If you'll start your day, if you'll begin with a habit of, uh, of, of praying in the middle of your morning or as you go to work, just pause and take a deep breath. It doesn't take a long time. Okay, let me stop right here. What matters most, now let me get this big picture right. I want to get this down. Uh, what matters most is that your will be done. This is what matters most. Matthew 6, Jesus teaches us pray. May your kingdom come and may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Is America on the wrong agenda right now? We need God's agenda, don't we? And, and if people had God's agenda, we were working God's agenda, the world's a better place. So we need God's agenda in our lives. We need God's agenda in our family. We, we need it in our economy. We need it in our business. In every area, we want his kingdom to come into it. In the church, we want God's kingdom to come into it because it's always going to be the right thing. We mess things up. God straightened things up. So remember what matters the most. This is the principle of dedication. We need to align ourselves with God's will and purpose and plan for our lives. God has a universal purpose for the whole world. History is moving towards a climax. History is his story. We're not circular. This is not a circle of life like the Lion King says. Life is not circular. It's linear. There was a beginning, and there's going to be an ending. And Jesus Christ is going to come back someday and put things in order. God has a plan for the whole world, but more important than that, he's got a plan and purpose for you. And so you're inviting as you go through your day. You may want to pray this many times during the day. God, as I go into this place, as I go into this meeting, as I go into this lunchtime, as I head for home and go, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done. 
And here's the great promise in the Bible. Matthew 6, 33. If you seek first God's kingdom and his righteousness, that's his plan, his purpose, his agenda. If you seek his kingdom and his agenda, what does he say? All the other things will be given to you as well. All the things you need are going to be given to you if you're in the middle of his will, doing his thing. Now, here's the fourth thing that can go on your timeline sometime during the day. Uh, list your needs. Uh, you talk to God about the things you need. You start the day with gratitude, then you bless his name and, name, and uh, you've committed yourself again to his plan and purpose. And now sometime during the day, if you're going to have this conversation with God, he, 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 God says, what do you need? Seek first the kingdom of God, and everything else is going to be given to you. What do you need? So we ask God for the things that we need. God, I need wisdom for this work project I'm, I'm, I'm on. God, I need wisdom in how to bring peace and order in my home. God, I need wisdom, you know, to know what to do next in my finances. I need your wisdom. God, I need you. Help me. John 14 says, Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. You're asking God, just don't ask, just don't ask for yourself. Ask for people. Give us, not just give me. Give us our daily bread. Don't be selfish in this prayer. But pray, God, give us what we need. Give my wife what she needs. Give my kids what they need. Help me to be that for them. In Philippians, one of my favorite passages, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds. Now here's another element of prayer. We ask for forgiveness. Psalm 139 says, Search me, O God, know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. See if there's any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. This is an invitation. This is where so many of us fall short. This is an invitation to God to straighten us out. We spend a lot of time asking God to straighten somebody else out. Straighten out my kids or my spouse or my boss at work. And David's saying, no, pray this for me. Matthew six twelve. forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. This is the kind of prayer. Remember I told you different kinds of prayer? We've had thanksgiving, adoration, we've had petition, we've had dedication. Now we've got confession. There's never any reason for you to walk away f feeling guilty if you know the Lord. Some people actually think they're more spiritual by feeling guilty. But God is our righteousness. God's our forgiver. And we pray for him to forgive us. So, you know, this is kind of like Taking the garbage out might be a good idea in your house to take the garbage out every now and then. Would you agree with that? Well, when we, when we pray this prayer, we're admitting that we're sinners, that we're failures, and we're asking God, let's take the garbage out. Let's get it out of our system. Let's, all these things that are in me. Number six. 
Ask God to help you make wise decisions. Whether you've got kids at home or not anymore, whether you're living with some friends, you need to ask God to help you to make wise decisions. And by the way, to protect you from making dumb decisions. Wise decisions are doing what God would have you to do. Dumb decisions are ignoring what God would have you to do and doing what your flesh wants to do. They will always get you in trouble. The enemy comes only to steal and kill and destroy. He's smart enough to not walk up to you and go, I'm here to steal and kill and destroy. Why don't you date this guy? No, he brings up the guy and he's good looking and he's funny and he's athletic and he says, don't you like him? Wouldn't he be great? And you're not praying, God, I want your will in my life. I want you to guide my life. I want you to direct my life. Don't lead me into temptation, but deliver me from the evil one. And because of it, you're attracted to somebody who's going to be a problem for you. So we pray this Lord's Prayer of, of, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And finally, at the end of the day, you know, we end with this encouraging truth. Think about this as you pray through your day. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. What does that mean? Well, first of all, it means this. God is in control. The politicians aren't in control. Other nations aren't in control. The boss isn't in control. God is ultimately in control. That's why the world changes when God's people pray. Things happen when we pray because he's in control. But he's waiting for us to pray. Sometimes we say, God, we're waiting on you to do something. And God is in return saying, I'm waiting for you to ask for something. Asking for you to wait on me. This is a partnership. But when I pray, yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Uh, I'm saying, God, you're number one. You're in control. I trust you. Be in control. Number two, this reminds me, this is not the end of the story. Whatever you're facing that day, this isn't the end of the story. There's eternity ahead. There's tomorrow ahead. This isn't the end of the story. God, you can do something. My kid may be making really bad decisions. This isn't the end of the story. I'm praying for you to move in power upon their life. Number three, it reminds us that God and his family wins in the end. Great writer and teacher Corey Timboom wrote, If you look at the world, you'll be distressed. If you look within you, you'll be depressed. If you look at Christ, you'll find rest. It all depends on who you're looking at. Yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. So, you know, the rest of the things on your notes are things you can pray for a breakthrough with over the next week and read those scriptures and study them. So here's the deal. As we begin to think like kingdom people, as we begin to see the world as Christians, we see the world where the Spirit of God has come into our world 
to lead us and to teach us all things. He's there. His word has been given to us so that we can recognize the Spirit's voice. The word gives us the foundation. You're not going to, you know, if you're a single young lady or a single young man in here, you're not going to open up the Bible and it say, you know, go marry Sue. Go marry Bob. It's not going to do that for you. It's not going to say, take this job. Don't take that job. What the, what the Word's going to do is give you a foundation of truth, of what's important and what's right and what isn't right, so that when you're into this relationship and Bob shows up, it doesn't take you many conversations to go, <laughs> this ain't right. This isn't good. I always taught my children, the most important decision you'll ever make in life is what you do with Jesus Christ. The second most important decision you'll ever make in life is who you marry. And if you're thinking about marrying somebody who doesn't have the most important decision in their life right, you're not making a good decision with the second most important decision in your life. When you begin to understand the principles of God, they begin, the Spirit begins to apply those principles into the specifics of your life as you pray. And so what you want to do is you, you know, especially in some of these things, before you get in the job, you want the Spirit of God to say, don't take that job. Before you get in the relationship, you want the Spirit of God to say, no, this isn't good. God, I've been praying for you. And he said, oh, get it. But he's good. He's, he's handsome. <laughs> yeah, he's the devil dressed up. He's appearing as an angel of light. Get away from, you want the Spirit of God speaking to you. You want, we want to seek his will. We want to hear his voice. And to hear his voice, we need to be in this conversation with him. We need to be listening to him. We need to be talking to him. We need to be inviting him to be what he's supposed to be in our life. This is a living relationship. Listen, God is not, does not want to be the God in heaven observing us. He has sent his spirit into this world to be God among us, to be with us, to guide us and to teach us and to be intimately involved in our life, to be our closest friend, our closest advisor, the revealer of our life. Now, he uses other godly Christians to help us hear that. He uses his word to help us hear that. He uses all of these things, but he wants to guide us and be with us. And so we want to develop this life of being in this conversation with God, of talking to him about the things that are going on, of pointing out, well, you know, Lord, the boss has really worked up today. Bad mood today. Give me peace. So my, I'm not impacted by that. Give me wisdom to know how to talk to him. Give me grace to know how to deal with him. Guide me in all of this. God is so practical. He's our friend right there with us, giving us the right advice all the time if we'll listen and if we'll ask. So whether you use the Lord's Prayer to pray through the day, that's not the important thing. You should pray all those points. You should have a set of time side to get along with God every day. 
Whether that's, you know, if you're just beginning five minutes, ten minutes. You've been doing this for a while, a half hour, an hour, it gets to be more natural. But you should have some time set aside where it's on your calendar. You're sitting there saying, I'm going to get up early in the morning or before I go to bed at night or I have this time during the day that I can set aside to be with God. You need that time with God. I want to challenge you to start working at that and looking at that and setting time aside to be with God. But then, don't let it stop there. Begin to enter into this conversation with God. Here's what's going to happen with some of you. Some of you are going to be talking to yourself this week, and the Spirit of God is going to go, <clears throat> do you remember Wednesday night? You're going to hear that. You're going to hear God say, I, do you remember? You, you can't help yourself. I can help you. And you've got a decision to make. Do you begin to take that thing to the Lord in prayer? You're going to have big decisions come up. And you're going to, am I going to pray God's will? You're going to have the opportunity to worry about things. I don't know about you. I'm given things to worry about every day. When I get, get things, I want to take all the things I have to worry about and give them to God. God, you're my provider. God, you're the one who cares for me. You're the one with all the power. I want to give it to you. And I want to, I want, God, I don't, I don't want to own this worry. I want to own faith. I want to own your peace. I'm going to bring the prayers and supplications and things that come up that I need wisdom for to you, and I'm going to trust you to guide me through them and to help and provide. Amen? Let's stand together. and Let's, let's come down around the altar, and we'll pray together before we go. For some of you... This could really become the most life-changing lesson in this whole series. This aspect of learning to freely, joyfully, continually commune and talk with God. To really think about the Lord's Prayer and to ask Him to help you not to make dumb decisions, but to make wise decisions to protect you, deliver me from evil, deliver me from temptation, deliver me from the things that the enemy would bring into my life to set my life aside. Listen, most of us in this room, if not all of us, are never going to have God whisper in our ear, uh, not God, but the devil whisper in our ear, uh, go get your spouse's gun and go rob a bank today. We would all know instantly, that's the devil. That's the devil. But he's going to whisper something much more subtle. He's going to whisper something much more. He's going to tempt us in a conversation. He's going to tempt us in a relationship. He's going to look at you and say, okay, share your emotions with this person who doesn't, shouldn't know your emotions. He's going to tempt you in much more subtle ways. Look at this. Don't look away. That's beautiful, isn't it? Look at that. We should be looking away and going some, looking someplace else. And so, remember, the enemy, he's, he's a deceiver. And he comes with well-laid plans to trip us up. But God's given us well-laid plans to keep from being tripped up. 
And the way we do that is by being in this continual conversation with God. This continual conversation with God. So, Pastor, does God really speak to you? I, yeah, he, he really does. I can be in an argument with my wife about some silly, stupid thing. And so I'm just going to, you know. And here's when I usually know I'm dead wrong. Here's when I know I'm dead wrong. When I can't pray about it. Say, <laughs> so what do you mean? Well, because I, I just know if I pray, God's going to tell me I'm wrong. And I've got to go straighten this out. And gotta go, I've got to go apart. The second I know that I know, I am. I, the second I realize I can't say, God, help me. Oh, really? The second that comes, I know I'm sunk. I've got to. It's, it's on me. It's on me. And that's not. When, when you start hearing things, you know you don't want to hear on your own. You know God's speaking to you, and you begin to hear him more clearly in the other places too. But that's, guess what? I can't dismiss those times. I can't sit there and justify them. I've got to say, God, whatever you want me to say and do, you're smarter than me. You're greater than me. You're wiser than me. Amen. Father, right now as we close this time together, I thank you for my brothers and sisters here tonight. And Father, many of them may, have, may already be in this daily conversation. Many of them may be starting to experiment and discover some of this ongoing conversation. I pray for all of us that we would grow in this ongoing awareness that you're right there. You know when things are going bad at the office. You know when things aren't going well with, the, with our coworkers. You know when things aren't going well at home. You're not surprised by any of this stuff. And you've offered to give us wisdom. You've offered to protect us. So, Lord, help us uh, to enter into a conversation with you, uh, to be led of you, to be directed by you, and to be yours. In Jesus' name we pray bless this people. Amen. 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 Hey,